Hello Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we're going to talk Florida hoops with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. He and I will recap the Gators' win over Arkansas and preview Saturday's matchup against Kentucky. Graham, Welcome into Locked On Gators once again, my friend. How's it going? Zach, great to be here as always. You do a great job. Always insightful, and, and my pleasure to be here and, and talk all things Florida Gators, especially basketball with you. It's kind of an exciting time right now. The Gators have won five of their last six games in the month of February. Besides that 17-point loss at Ole Miss, and Zach, I've been telling everyone, this is just such an unpredictable year in the SEC that it's just all about upward momentum. And right now, Florida does have that despite a few blips on the radar they faced a pretty unhealthy Arkansas team, a team that has, I think, one of the best backcourts in the SEC the other night. But Isaiah Joe, despite traveling to Gainesville, who's one of the SEC's best three-point shooters, for those who don't know, was unable to play in that game. He went through warm-ups, but wasn't able to give it a go. But Mason Jones still put 20 points on Florida in that game that Florida did ultimately win despite seeing their 19-point lead drop all the way to two. Now as they prepare for Kentucky, Zach, I, I think that this team is looking pretty good uh, as they head into the final stretch in terms of making the tournament here. Yeah, and you wrote a story for Gatorsports.com this week about the performance of the sophomores, not only in that game, but just lately. They, they've really been the nucleus of this team, which is what you would expect. Mike White did talk earlier in this season about how Yes, the Gators have been able to come back from deficits, and that's great, but it's also alarming that they keep getting down. How did he feel about the Gators getting ahead and then losing it and having to fend off a rally by Arkansas? There wasn't a whole lot of great things in there that that made Mike White super excited um, moving forward, but if you really look at the circumstances of that game, I, I think that you can look at it on the bright side if you so choose and, and see that Florida did overcome a lot. Kerry Blackshear Jr. played his second lowest minutes of the season after that game that he got ejected for earlier in the season. Picked up a bunch of really quick fouls, two within the first two minutes and three seconds. And Omar Payne and Jason Jatobo, two freshmen who arrived in Florida, at Florida in June and now are expected to play 15, 20 minutes a night, had to shoulder the load against, a, a like I said, a very good Arkansas team that was 15-2 and two before losing seven of their last eight games at, as they dealt with these injuries here. I, I thought that Jason Jatobo and Omar Payne held their own extremely well there. Although the 19-point lead did get whittled down to just two points, I think that you have to credit Florida for not squandering that lead because that would have been extremely deflating momentum-wise. And, yeah, it would have been another Mississippi State. Absolutely. You know, I, I've said, glad you brought that up. You know, when you talk about losses on Florida's radar in the SEC, I think that that Mississippi State game where they blew a, a 10-point lead or whatever it was and then lost by seven, a 17-point swing there, is more, I think, hurtful than losing by 17 points or whatever it was at Missouri when that Missouri team shot lights out. Yeah. Sometimes a team's just going to have their night, but what you don't want to do is, is squander a lead because that is going to be hard to get back. Florida did not do that despite, like I said, having a very, very young front court. You brought up the sophomore, Zach. In that 78-point performance, you got 17.7 rebounds and four assists from Andrew Nemhard. Keontae Johnson had a career-high 24 points. 
And while Noah Locke only finished with 11 points, I, I say 11 points, he had three very critical first-half three-pointers that gave Florida that 19-point cushion. So it looks like, a, in terms of Florida's leaders right now, the Gators are hitting their stride. And if they can get performances from the freshmen like Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann, who had a very good game defensively, if they can get those guys to show up in this daunting five-game stretch here, I think that Mike White will take that. Sure. Uh, sometimes a team is just going to shoot lights out and beat you, but as long as they play 40, 35 minutes of consistent defense and, and don't take a bunch of my-turn shots in those next five uh, games, I think that Mike White will take that, and, and I think that it will result in a lot of positive outcomes for the Gators. Now, we've made a lot about Andrew Nemhard's play uh, since the conference slate be began. He's had... 20-plus point performances. He's set new career highs. Noah Locke obviously has been lighting it up from downtown. But let's talk about Keontae Johnson, his sixth double-double of the season, another 20-point game for him. What do you think about the play of number 11 and just how he's really come on here as of late? He does a whole lot well that we, we already knew how good he was defensively, his ability to guard one through four, one through five maybe, it took him a little bit of time to embrace, I think, being designated as a power forward or a, a four because often that can be a crippling designation for a guy because then you're labeled undersized and all of a sudden the, the narrative changes if you, if you really care about that. But Keontae has evolved so well offensively. The game has slowed down for him to such a point that he is now a mismatch at the four, I think, is, is the right term to use. His three-point shooting ability, his ability to hit the catch and shoot, yeah. and then possibly beat guys off the dribble if they come out on him to contest that shot, is why he is such a dangerous option every single night. Even though, and let's be honest, Florida isn't, I think, really game planning for him to be a main offensive weapon, but often yeah. when the set breaks down or... And he's really good, I think, on the offensive glass when, when he chases an offensive rebound and they have to reset or it's late in the shot clock. He can get into the interior of the defense, I think, better than anyone on Florida. Scotty Lewis is getting close, obviously, and Andrew Nemhart has made great strides when it comes to breaking down a team's defense and, and hitting that 18-foot, 15-foot jumper there. But Keontae Johnson, his three-point shooting has really made it so that fours have to come out on him and then he's got the quickness and the dribble drive ability to get to the rim and finish better than a lot of people in college basketball that 24 point performance not only was his career high but it was his 14th double digit scoring performance since florida started sec play wow. 14 of the last 16 games there so certainly I, th I think if you're the gators you have to like where you are with your true i think three playing in that four spot because he's really embraced that and, and become a mismatch for Florida this season. We're speaking with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. Are we looking at the final days for Keontae Johnson in a Florida uniform? I've, Graham? I've been an advocate. You know, I think that he's one of those people that initially a lot of people would be surprised, I think, if he put his name into the draft after just two seasons. But the way he's playing what he's good at, if he can keep evolving from that three-point shot, maybe work on, and I, I don't mean to say this as a real criticism, but his release could get even better. Uh, he's got really solid mechanics. He's tucking his elbow in a little bit better to get a, have a higher release point, and um, that's going to be critical for him at just six foot five to maximize his release point on his jumper. And, and the way that he did that in just one season at Florida, I, I think speaks to why he may make that jump, because if he keeps 
evolving and developing at this rate, he is going to be a guy who can score at a high rate and defend every position in the NBA. And and consistently, we're seeing less man-to-man defense, Mm. I think, where guys are expected to help and and rotate consistently in the NBA. And that's what Keontae Johnson does so well. So he keeps evolving offensively. I think you may see him put his name into the NBA uh, draft after this season, but uh, still a little bit of work to be done. You know, that one thing I'm going to say that's kind of aside from his game is that that may be someone who sees the value in getting a four-year degree. I, I wouldn't doubt that at all, but there are definitely going to be some people who say, you can be really, really good at this rate. Uh, you should go take your chance right now and, and maximize your opportunity. And before we talk about this Kentucky game, we still got the regular season tournament but right now, where do you think things stand with Andrew Nemhard and Scotty Lewis in terms of the decisions that they're going to have to make at the end of the year? I think Andrew Nemhard is your prototypical NBA point guard, despite whatever criticism some people say about... He dribbles too slow! You know, and, and that is, in terms of looking at... Yeah, that is hilarious to see because there is a lot of pros to having a, a slower pace half-court offense that makes it so and then you're running it so effectively... It's hard for teams to come back on you and overcome. Um, we saw that in the Auburn game. That's why Florida was able to extend that lead rather than blow that against Auburn. Um, but I think Andrew Nemhard at six foot five, one of the real questions for him, I think this season more so than his speed, was learning to use his height at the point guard position. Yeah. At six foot five, you're seeing him have these low post moves where he can able hit low post fadeaways and these 14 foot jumpers and when he first started doing it at the beginning of the season I'm like what is this guy doing it's not his game that's a prototypical move now he's hitting those shots he doesn't really i think have the athleticism and that's not a knock he just doesn't have elite speed off the dribble but his size he's really using that to his advantage and i think that people underestimate how good he is defensively because it's not like he's out there swatting shots like Scotty Lewis or or ripping it for you and creating pick sixes. But what he does is play extremely solid. He's kind of like the quarterback of the defense. He he plays extremely solid team defense, rarely makes mistakes. And in this day and age in college basketball, you would rather have a, a player who doesn't make mistakes in your defensive scheme over someone who can make a highlight reel play once in a while. And obviously that's not a knock to Scotty Lewis, but I think he would agree because he is so self-critical and analytical. We'll say that uh, he would agree that he does still have some ways to go sure. in terms of team defense. And the last thing I'm going to say about Andrew Nemhart to his credit, durable. You know, we say that all the time. Durable is a huge factor in terms of making it into a business where people are going to pay you on a night in and night out to be consistent He's he is, even going to play with the flu if he has to. He hasn't missed a game at Florida. He's played every single game. He led the team in minutes, I think, last season. He's like right there third. I think the lowest minutes he's ever played in a game is, is 22 minutes a game, and that was when he hurt his ankle and still tried to return there in the second half. So certainly durability is a factor for him. Some team is going to give him a look, and I, I think that he has the basketball IQ size it looks like he is a guy who should explore the nba waters now the other name you mentioned zach scotty lewis that one i th- i'm a little bit more unsure of i i think, I think that- a few like a month ago definitely it would be a no but lately man he's he's showing the flashes yeah his jump shot how do i say this i think he's that, starting to figure it yeah, out. yeah that, that's a good way to put it i think that teams are always gonna go with a 
consistency over conventional. And even though it is higher arcing and we'll leave it at that, <laughs> I think that a lot of teams will take that because he is someone like Keontae Johnson who has elite speed off the dribble. You know, I mentioned those highlight real plays. Those are obviously extremely valuable in terms of also swinging momentum because it's taking away what looks like a surefire basket from the other team in a very kind of, I don't want to say demeaning, but assertive way in a sense. And that is someone who excels at that. And he is improving at a high rate in terms of team defense. And like you said, Zach, a month ago, I would have said it would have behooved him to come back to Florida and do what Keontae Johnson did in the offseason, which is shoot a thousand shots a day on top of everything else, on top of lifting, on top of his schoolwork. I would have said that would be great for him and that he would right away enter the NBA after that season. He also is someone, like I mentioned about Keontae Johnson, does understand the value of getting a degree from the number seven public university in the United States. And, and that's something he may take into consideration. Although he will have to weigh that with realizing that his athletic potential, his spring in his step it is very rare. And people see it every time he, he springs himself up on national TV. And he is a household name among freshmen. I mean, I, I think that if he were to come out NBA scouts and everybody in the league would definitely have their eyes on him. I can bear him a lot in my mind to Nasir Little, who Florida really, really wanted. And not to rehash anything, they ended up with Keontae Johnson, which I don't think they are disappointed with by any means. But Nasir Little, uh, around the time of, and this is uh, quote-unquote unrelated, around the time of the FBI corruption probe, he went to, in favor of, first it was Miami and then North Carolina, did one year with the Tar Heels and now is with the Portland Trailblazers and is starting to carve out a role for himself after a 50-game stretch where it looked like he was just not understanding the the pace of play that was required night in and night out to be counted on for 15 to 20 minutes a game. Scotty Lewis is getting closer to that. Just because he may not be ready right now doesn't mean that 50, 60 games in to his rookie season, we aren't seeing someone who can do what he's doing right now in short spurts for 20, 25 minutes a night on a team vying for an eighth seed in the in the Western Conference or whatever it is. So I think that he has a lot to weigh. He's a very, very smart man, and I, th yeah. I think he'll make the right choice here coming soon. But um, it is getting closer to him, him having to make a tough choice. While it looked like initially jumping to the NBA may have been the wrong choice, it's looking like he's got a tough decision on his hand, Zach. We're speaking with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun as we wrap things up. Looking ahead to the big matchup on Saturday with the Big Blue Nation. And Graham, early on in this basketball season, we kind of figured out from Kentucky and Florida that it was going to be a wacky year in the SEC. Because the Gators and the Wildcats had some losses early on that made us all kind of scratch our heads. And we've come to find out that that's just what the SEC is this season. But what do you make of this matchup, especially a Kentucky team that seemingly has been down at times, but once again is still a top 10 team. Yeah, Zach, I know that this one is on the road in Lexington and an intense intense Rupp Arena, and those fans can really have their way with and influence the officiating crew. One of those things, we'll just leave it at that. And this year with the officiating, we all know how <sighs> unpredictable it, it can be at times. But this is one for Florida where they have an opportunity to maybe steal one uh, the the Wildcats are dealing with two injuries to watch of their own. Their starting point guard, Ash, 
left the game with a left thigh contusion. I think a lot of people can assert how tough those bone bruises can be. Mm. He hasn't been able to practice, but it may be an Andrew Nemhard type situation where 30 minutes before the game, despite not practicing, he that rest helps him give it a go during that game. As well, Nick Richards uh, turned his ankle one of the Wildcats' is valuable guys as well who can give him 20 good minutes a night. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. So Florida May, who who has been, I, I've been saying this to people as well, they've been the ones who've been depleted, especially in the front court after losing Gorjak Gak and Dante Bassett. I think that Florida may be the team that has the depth advantage on Saturday. And I think that if they can take advantage of that, that would be the surefire punch that this Florida team, now with 18 wins, if they can get one more of the next four, and that would be such a valuable quadrant one win on the road against a top ten team, top ten team that and that also leads the SEC after LSU lost a pair of games. So if Florida can do that, Zach, uh, I think that the narrative will certainly change about this Florida team, and it will many people will start to realize now that they've won six of seven and reasonably go into the SEC tournament with a top three seed as it stands right now. Many people, I think, will start to realize that this was a team with so many new players in Kerry Blackshear and five freshmen and three sophomores that have played a whole load of minutes and that lost two valuable front court contributors. This is a team that has weathered the storm and is playing very, very sound basketball on both ends right now. And if they can turn those factors into positive outcomes, the Gators are a team that may be reckoned with. And we see this every single year where a team just needs a little bit to get going. Other teams drop off because of injuries. Other teams have players who get hot late in the season. Florida's trying to be the latter. And if they can pick up a valuable win in Lexington, Zach, I think that a lot of people are going to start saying they are. Well, and if they get a win too, they get back home against LSU with another opportunity. And don't look now. Graham, but the Gators are actually in control of their own destiny. If they win out because of the loss that happened the other night, they will be the regular season SEC champion. Now, how likely that is, is is probably not there. But they've put themselves in that position, which I think a few weeks ago, nobody would have thought that that would be the case. Yeah, it just shows that the college basketball season is a lot like a college basketball game where droughts It's not happen. unique to Florida. It's not unique to Florida. I, you know, you watched last night and Duke, who was 22-3, and three, lost to unranked NC State by 22 points. And people act like this only happens in Gainesville, Florida, even though Kentucky lost in the first week of the season to Evansville. Seton Hall has beaten top teams. It, it's just a wild, wild season, even more so than I think usual. But every single year we see upsets and teams that lose games and just can't hit anything worth a darn that night make huge runs late in the season. And who's to say that it can't be Florida? What you said, though, six weeks ago, I don't think we all would have said sitting there after that non-conference schedule. I don't think anyone would have said that, hey, the Gators are going to be the regular season SEC champions. Or even be in position. Or even be in position, but... That is a credit to why, and I'm not trying to defend that, you know, fun number six preseason ranking that Florida was bestowed with earlier in the season, but that is why those voters are adamant that this ranking is where they think the team could be at the end of the season. And although Baylor is the only one of that top 15 who has exceeded expectations so far, 
who's to say that one of those top 15 teams can't be the champion? It is way too soon to tell, and Florida may still live up to those high expectations. They may be a disappointment, but right now they're inching further towards the former, Zach. Graham, once again, appreciate your time and perspective as always. And on tomorrow's show, we'll get a look from the Kentucky side of things with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.